0: Uh, Right now, we're going to turn to God's word. Uh, We're actually going to go to Matthew chapter 8. At Grace and Peace, we believe that the Bible is the word of God and it brings truth and life. So every week we read it, we study it, I preach from it. Uh, We just finished up a sermon series in Advent, going through the promises in the Old Testament that prophesied Jesus coming during Christmas. Now we're going to go back to Matthew, which we we studied all uh, spring and summer. We're going to be in Matthew 8, uh, and we're at an interesting point where Jesus, he just finished the sermon on the mount, where he's been giving all these words of instruction, and now he's going to, Matthew shows him coming down, and he begins healing. He begins healing with words. So we'll talk more about that later, but that's sort of the context. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you've given it to us. That it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates the body and the soul and the spirit. It transforms us. So we pray that that now as I preach your word, that you would speak to me and through me, and that you would use your word to penetrate our hearts, to heal us and to change us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever read a story or watch a movie and go, man, I wish that was true. Like, that is a great story. I want that to be true. Uh, One of those stories for me is the Lord of the Rings. Uh, Everybody's laughing. Why are you laughing? Is that because that's what you were thinking? You're like, oh yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't know what the Lord of the Rings is, it's a story. There's a lot going on, but it's basically about two brave little hobbits, uh, Frodo and Samwise. And they are sent on a quest to cast the ring of power into the fiery uh, mountain doom to destroy the ring of power, right? And so they're, they're on this journey. And as they, as they go on this journey to Mount Doom, uh, they suffer countless perils. Uh, they're fighting evil. They're, uh, they're deprived. They're... Uh, they, barely escape all these different treacherous situations. And finally, they reach the mountain. And finally, they see the path up the mountain where they've got to get to destroy this ring. And they're exhausted. They've given all their energy to get there and they, they can't get up the mountain. They fall down. Uh, Frodo, he can't even take another step. He fall down, falls down, he begins to crawl. And Sam looks at Frodo And weeps in his heart. And he says this. Come Mr. Frodo. He cried. I can't carry it. The ring. For you. But I can carry you. As well. And it as well. So up you get. Mr. Mr. Sam will give you a ride. Sam staggered to his feet. And then to his amazement. He felt the burden light. He had feared. That he would have barely the strength. To lift his master alone. But it was not so. Whether Frodo was so worn by his long pains or some gift of final strength was given to him, Sam lifted Frodo with no more difficulty than if he were carrying a little child. And they eventually made it to the top, and they threw the ring into the the fiery furnace, and it was destroyed. They defeated evil, they saved their world, and eventually everything sad in their world came untrue. That's a great story, isn't it? Don't you read that and go, I wish that were true. Well, when I read this passage here in Matthew 8, 1 through 17, when I, when I read about these healings, when I read what Jesus did, when he, how he cleansed the leper, how he cast out demons, how he healed Peter's mother, I read that and go, I want this to be true. That's a nice story. I want it to be true. Don't you? Don't you read that and go, I, I want those things to happen in our world. I think that we, that we all want it to be true. And I think there's something deep inside of us that recognizes that this world is not the way it's supposed to be. Right? And that desire, that recognition uh, shows us the problem of pain and suffering in the world. The problem of pain is a, is a problem that's recognized by every religion, by every worldview. It's something that we all experience. It's something that we all live through. In some way or another, we all suffer, right? We suffer from, from, uh, from our own sins, from our own poor decisions, right? Um, alcoholics. They they suffer from liver disease because they've made uh, poor choices throughout their life, and they've destroyed their bodies. Uh, Liars suffer from broken relationships because they have uh, continually lied and lied and lied. Sometimes we suffer uh, because of what people have done to us. Friends and family members have hurt us and done things that they should not have done. And sometimes we suffer just because we live in a fallen world. Because this world is broken. And so because it's broken, our bodies are decaying. Right? Everyone, you know, once you, once you get past like 25 or 30, it's all downhill after that, right? Hate to break it to you, 20-somethings. It's as good as it gets. And the death rate is always one-to-one. We're all heading that direction. Uh, we suffer physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually As R.E.M. famously sang, everybody hurts sometimes. And as Lord Wesley said in The Princess Bride, life is pain your Highness." Anyone who tells you different is selling you something. Uh, We want these stories to be true because uh, we long for a day when the problem of pain is eliminated. So as we look at this passage this morning, what? What I want you to see is is good news. And what I want you to see is that Jesus does heal. He heals for God's glory and for our good. And by faith in him, we can experience real, substantial, emotional, physical, and spiritual healing in this life while we wait for total healing to come in the next life. Right? So we're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at why Jesus heals, who Jesus heals, and how Jesus heals. Why, who, and how Jesus heals. Uh, Kids, something for you to think about as you're listening. Think about someone who's sick and how you can help them. Write down someone you know that's sick and how you can help them. So the first thing we're going to look at is why Jesus heals. Uh, first, I think we've seen in this passage that Jesus heals because it's God's will, right? The leper comes to Jesus and says, uh, if you will, you can make me clean. He knows that Jesus has the power to heal. The question is, is it God's will for Jesus to heal? In this situation, Jesus said, yes, it is God's will be healed, right? God is all-powerful, and he is sovereign over all things in his universe, including healing, including sickness and sin and suffering. And so if it's God's will to heal, then Jesus can and does heal. But here's what's challenging for us, is it's not always God's will to heal us. And there are some people who take this passage wrongly, and they distort it, and they twist it, and they take these doctrines, and they say that, that God guarantees healing, that it is always his will to heal, and all you've got to do is have enough faith. And if you have enough faith, again, then God will heal you. And that is not true. I wish it was, but it is not. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, you see that God does allow pain and suffering in our lives He does in the life of Job, right? Job was, uh, he suffered greatly at no fault of his own. He was a sinless sufferer. Jesus suffered and he was sinless, right? Uh, He prayed in the garden for God to, if there was a way for him not to go to the cross, Jesus prayed three times and every time God said no. Jesus said, if there's any other way, then take this cup for me and God said no. The apostle Paul prayed three times for God to take away his thorn in the flesh. And all three times God said, no, I like you better with it. So sometimes it is God's will to heal, and he does, and sometimes it isn't, and he doesn't. So Jesus heals because it's God's will. Jesus also heals to prove that his words are true. Remember we said earlier, Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. He gives this great instruction where he explains the, uh, God's law and how it applies to apply for our lives and how he can give us the good life. And then he comes down from the mountain. And you see this whole series in Matthew 8 and 9 of Jesus doing all these miracles. Well, how does he do them? Does he do them with some special incantation? Does he do them with some special tools or tricks? No. He uses a word. He cleanses the leper with a word. He heals the centurion's servant with a word. He stops the storm with a word. What is he doing? He's proving that his teaching is true, right? And next, Jesus heals because he cares. He cares. He cares about this leper who's an outcast whose condition is incurable. He cares about this servant that the centurion cares about. So Roman centurions couldn't marry. They couldn't have friends. They had to abandon their family. So this servant was probably the, the closest thing he had to a friend or family member. And he uses a word there for servant. It's not doulos, which is the normal word for slave. It's pais, which is a term of affection. It's a close relationship. It's like a, a child So Jesus cares about these people. He cares about their bodies and their souls. And that's why he heals them. He heals them uh, for God's glory and their good. And so we can look at this passage and say that we can pray for healing. We can pray for God to heal us mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, for all these things because it may be God's will to heal us. God may glorify himself through that healing because God cares about our suffering and because God will use it to prove that his words are true. Um, I heard a a great story this week. uh, It's from a book called Shattered Dreams by Larry Crabb. And the whole premise of the book is that God shatters our dreams so that he can give us better dreams. And and Larry Crabb wrote the book and, and he dedicated it to his mentor, a man named Charles Smith, And this mentor of his uh, had cancer and was cured of his cancer. But he prayed, Lord, if it would glorify you more for me to have cancer, then allow my cancer to return. And his cancer did return. And during that time when it returned, his relationship deepened with God more than he had ever known. It strengthened him in his weakness more than he had ever known. And then he passed away, and he got to go be with Jesus and see his Savior in a way that he had never seen him before. He went from depending on him in this life to seeing him in the next. God used his prayer to bring glory to God and to actually bring good to him. So first, that's the first thing that we see is we see why God heals. And the second thing we see is we see who God heals. If you look back at the passage, Jesus heals this outsider, right? Leprosy was a term that uh, was a catch-all term for all different types of skin diseases. But because of all the Old Testament laws, those skin diseases separated him in every way from his community. He was separated socially. He was separated economically. He was separated physically. He was separated. He couldn't go to the temple and worship. In every way, he was an outcast, and it was incurable, His only hope was for Jesus to heal him. And so lepers, whenever they were in a crowd, they would have to shout, unclean, unclean. And as they shouted unclean, people would move out of the way because they didn't want to touch them. Because if they did, then they wouldn't get to go to the temple. And so as he shouted unclean, everybody would have moved except for Jesus. And Jesus when he came to Jesus, Jesus did what nobody else would do. He touched him. He said, "Be clean." He cleansed him. This teaches us that our whatever <laughs> whatever suffering we have, whatever shame we have, whatever makes us an outcast or an outsider does not keep us from Jesus. It actually gives us access to Jesus. What area of life makes you feel like an outcast? Is it your physical suffering? Is it your relationship status? Is it your infertility? Is it your uh, joblessness? Is it your appearance? Whatever it is, that area doesn't keep you from Jesus. It actually brings you access to him. That's the very place where Jesus wants to heal you and where he can heal you. Jesus heals outsiders by giving them access to him. And Jesus heals the weak. You have this Roman centurion, right? This centurion is a commander of of the fighting units of the Roman army. He's the head guy. He's he's elite, right? You had the normal soldiers, and then all the elite guys would move up to the ranks, and they could become a centurion. So he's the boss. And when he says something, it gets done right? He says, jump, they say, how high? So he comes to Jesus, this this powerful man, but he comes to Jesus in weakness. He comes to Jesus and he calls him Lord. Just like, imagine that. Who was his Lord as a Roman soldier? It would have been Caesar. It would have been the Roman government. And here he recognizes that Jesus is Lord over all things, and He comes to him in weakness and submits to Him in weakness. He, he's so uh, weak, he doesn't even actually make a request to Jesus. He just gives a report. He just says, "My servant's sick." Because he knew that Jesus' power was far greater than his, and that all Jesus had to do was say a word, and he could be healed. Jesus marveled at this man's faith and healed his servant. So let me ask you this. Where is the point of weakness in your life? Where do you recognize your weakness? Or where do you recognize your strength? What's the, what's the, what's the strong point in your life? You know, you, you, like job interview. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses, right? Don't give me the false humility of, well, I work too hard, Okay. What, what are your real strengths? Your, your real strength may be the real area that Jesus wants you to lay down for him. If your strength is working hard and working long, longer and longer hours to provide for your family, then that may be the very spot where Jesus says, it's time for you to go home. If, if your strength is coordinating, controlling, and commanding your house so much to the point where you are uh, exasperating your children, then that may be the very spot where Jesus is saying, give it up, relax, it's going to be okay. Jesus heals the weak. He heals the outsider. Those are the spots where he wants to heal us. Uh, I found this out the hard way last week. Uh, As you guys, most of you probably know, I, I took the week off. Uh, got, got some rest. We didn't go anywhere. We just stayed around the house. It was great. Now, one of the challenges when you're a pastor is, uh, your job is to read the Bible and study it. And so when you go on vacation, you, it's, it's easy to let your devotion slip because it feels like work again. Right? So, but, uh, but I was, I was, uh, I was running on fumes at the end of the year and I knew the best way for me to really rest was I needed to spend some time in the word. I really need to have some good devotional time. So I'm going to, I'm going to double down I want to make sure I do my devotion. So I get up, get my coffee, start working on my devotion. I'm really going to, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better. I'm going to focus here. As I do that, my family comes in and they sit down and they start uh, doing their devotions as well. And of course, I've got a 14-year-old, an 8-year-old, an 11-year-old. So when they start doing their devotions, it's a lot noisier than whenever I do my devotions. They don't really do it the way that I do it. And so as I'm listening to them do their devotions, I begin to get mad and irritated and agitated and annoyed. And then, so I'm, I'm at them, I feel that way. And then I get started, and then I feel shame because it's like, why? come on, man, why, chill out. Why, why are you like this? So then I get angry and irritated and annoyed at myself because I'm, I'm angry and annoyed and agitated at them. So, ironically, uh, the passage that I was reading was Matthew 8. And I'm reading this passage, and I'm, and I'm reading about all these people that Jesus healed. And, and as, you know, he's healing the leopard and the, the paralyzed and the, uh, the sick. And I'm like, Jesus, what about me? <laughs> I want you to heal me. I want you to heal me of my, my sickness of control and power and pride and self-righteousness. Will you heal me? I begin to cry out for healing in that moment, and that's when the Holy Spirit said, "This is where I want you. You're in the right spot. I am. I am healing you right now." God began to heal me, not in my strength, but in my weakness. We pray for healing because Jesus heals, and we pursue healing because Jesus heals. The outsider and the sick and the weak who come to him in faith and say, "Lord, I need you. Please heal me." So that's the we see that why God heals. We see who God heals, and lastly, we see how He heals. Right in verses fourteen through seventeen, Matthew briefly describes all these healings. Uh, He he heals Peter's mother who's suffering from fever. He heals the demon possessed. He heals the spiritually oppressed and the sick. And then Matthew at the end. Like, he's, like he did if you, if you read back in the birth narratives, he says that this took place to fulfill what the prophet had said long ago, the prophet Isaiah. Long ago, the prophet Isaiah said that God would send a suffering servant to take our illnesses and bear our diseases. And what Matthew wants us to see is this, uh, Jesus' ministry is pointing back to what Isaiah said in the past. He's pointing us back to that, right? And if you go back and you read the Isaiah prophecy in Isaiah 53, it says that that um teaches us that grief and sickness and sorrow, all those things come because of sin. And just like we read in the passage, God one day is going to eliminate all that suffering and pain in our lives. But he's going to do it not through strength, not through pretty, perfect, and powerful people, but through a suffering servant. That's what Isaiah 53 is all about. Who's going to bear our sins on the cross. And so what I want to do is I want to read a little bit of Isaiah 53 for you. And where it says him, I'm going to put Jesus' name in there. I'm going to start Isaiah 53 verse 2. Listen to this. For Jesus grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. Jesus had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one for whom men hid their faces, Jesus was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. And upon Jesus was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with Jesus' wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. What is God saying? God is saying there is sorrow and sickness and grief and suffering in this world. And it is right to be sad about all those things because it's not the way the world was supposed to be. And I'm gonna send Jesus, my suffering servant, to deal with the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is sin. And he is gonna take your sins upon himself and pay for those sins on the cross so the root can be cured so at some point, the symptoms will be cured as well. And I'm afraid that most of the time in our life we would rather cure the symptoms than the root. Uh, I, I like to exercise, and one of the, but you know, I'm old, I'm decaying. So one of the problems I have with exercise is I got a sore right shoulder. I blame it on baseball. You baseball players, you know how it is, right? And so uh, my, my shoulders constantly sore. And so like, I'll take ibuprofen to, to get the inflammation down. And uh, last week I went to my doctor for a checkup and he was like, Hey, how are you feeling? And I was like, well, my shoulder's sore. And he was like, well, I, I can give you a shot to take care of that. And I'm like, sure. Sounds great. Right? So he gives me a shot. All the inflammation goes away. I feel awesome for like, 48 hours, I go back to the gym two days later, I do the same poor movements and I have the same poor mobility that I had before and now my shoulder's sore again. All my anti-inflammatories do is they take care of the symptoms. They don't take care of the problem. So I went to a coach at my gym and I said, hey, I got this problem, can you help me? And she said, oh yeah, we've got to get to the root of the problem and the root of the problem is that your, your flexibility and the structure of your shoulder, we've got to get in there. We've got to, she, so she, we've got to redo that. So she showed me all these exercises uh, to, re, you know, to, to build strength and flexibility and all that stuff. She gave me lots of good advice, but she didn't give me good news about my shoulder. <laughs> in the gospel, we don't have just good advice. We have good news. Jesus gets to the root of the problem. He doesn't just deal with the symptoms. He's dealt with the root the root is our sin issue. And by faith in Christ, we can come to him and experience real, physical, spiritual, emotional healing. But it comes through faith and repentance in Jesus. And as we bring our sin and our suffering to him with faith and repentance, then he begins to heal us. And I just want to give you some examples of these healings that I've thought about um, as I wrote this sermon, one is there, there's a man at River Oaks right now who was a doctor who had stage four pancreatic cancer and the doctors gave him months to live. He began taking his treatment. He began praying. The whole church is praying for him. Now, uh, you know, it's, it's a year and a half later, his cancer's in remission. And the doctors say it's basically a miracle that he's still alive. So God has provided healing there. He knows he's going to pass away eventually. He's ready to go see Jesus, but the Lord is giving him more time. The Lord is also healing families. Uh, I have a f- a family uh, friends whose family has been divided for two years. And the Lord has just now orchestrated things so that their family is able to be together again. We have a family friend who's coming to faith in Christ. She's been a non-Christian her entire life. And, and Sharon and I got to get lunch with her yesterday and talked to her about Jesus. And she talked about the joys of, of, of celebrating Christmas as a Christian and not as a non-Christian. Uh, City of Hope with John Moss. He preached here last week. They're out there on the, the streets bringing hope to the homeless. Helping them get off the streets. Helping the poor and needy find a place to live right? Help. They're, they're, help. they're bringing healing to those people. Uh, Sherry took pictures of some men a couple weeks ago who are starting a nonprofit uh, so that anyone who wants can get counseling. They're going to raise the money. They're going to have this nonprofit. It's going to be free counseling for anyone who wants. Bringing emotional healing to other people, right? All, all of these, these things are possible because Jesus has taken care of the root problem, and that is our sin problem, and he's given us a pattern that we can go out and live in our lives. That as we, as we come to him and we pray for healing in all these areas, for God's glory and for our good, that Jesus can bring healing in this life to us and to our community. And that's when we talk about being a restorative community at Grace and Peace, that's the kind of community that we want to be. That we, we take the gospel, we go to the root of our sin issue, we apply the gospel there, and then we trust Jesus to bring hope and healing to our community for his glory and for our good until we get to heaven and we get to be with Jesus. And there we get to see him and fully finally get this healing. One last story. I want to close with this. Uh, this week I read about Fannie Crosby. Maybe you've heard about Fannie Crosby. She's a famous hymn writer. Uh, she wrote thousands of hymns in the 1900s. She was incredibly intelligent and talented, but she was blind. And she was blind because when she was younger, she got really sick, and there was uh, literally a quack that tried to heal her. This guy wasn't a doctor, but he pretended like he was a doctor. And so he took this mustard sort of like uh, salve or uh, something, like a glob of mustard stuff, I don't know. I looked it up. I couldn't even understand the term. Maybe the doctors know. But he put this mustard stuff on her eyes, and when he put it on her eyes, it left her blind. So she spent her entire life blind. And one day, a minister said to her, I think it is a great pity that the master did not give you sight when he showered so many other gifts upon you. And the text says, "Fanny Crosby responded at once, as she had heard such comments before. Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I was born blind, said the poet who had been able to see only her first six weeks of life. Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. God can use our suffering for his glory and for our good. We pray for healing. We pursue healing. We follow his pattern for healing. And we leave the results to him. Let's go to him now and let's pray for that.